Every family has their special stories, right? You all have your special stories when you get together. And though you have heard the stories many, many times, when somebody tells a story and they get to the punchline, everybody laughs, even though you know what's coming. I remember the time I wasn't there, but they tell the story of my Uncle Dave, who was on a water slide with his young son, and the dentures popped out of his mouth. And they went down the water slide, and he could not find his dentures anywhere, and they figured they were in the pool at the bottom of the water slide, but there was you know, lots of people there. And my aunt's over here watching the whole thing, and she's just embarrassed to death that her dumb husband lost his dentures. And they're walking around trying to... Finally, some kid screamed out, Ouch! And he had stepped on the dentures, and they, that's where they were. And they went over and picked them up. And my Uncle Dave wanted to show my his, his, his wife, my aunt, that he had found them, but she was nowhere to be found. She was so embarrassed, she just walked away. Yeah. That's just a fun story. It's told Thanksgiving time, you know? He's... That's just, families have those kinds of stories. There's another story of a supermarket in our town that wanted to run a, a contest. High school football is a big deal, and uh, my brother was the quarterback of the team. So the local supermarket put out a contest. Uh, pick the correct score of the game, and you will win a $50 gift certificate. First week, first Friday night, pick a score. My mother knows this much about football. Pretty much she knows that her son's the quarterback on the team, and I wear number 80. And that's it. That's what she knows. Number 10 and number 80, that's why she's coming. First downs, interceptions. Uh, she picked the score. 26-14. I'll be darned if that's not the score of the game. 26-14. They call my mom, won the contest. She won the contest. Her son quarterbacked the game. That was the first and the last time that store ever did a contest. There's no more. On the first time somebody correctly picked that, that cannot be. That's a story we just tell all the time. My mom, clueless, and she won the contest. How can that be? Well, every family has stories like that. And when we just tell them with joy and wonder, even though we know how it's going to end, right? You know it. And... And uh, the followers of Jesus have stories too. Uh, Like, remember that time when Jesus forgave the woman who was caught in adultery? Oh my goodness. And the people who were there remember that and tell it. Remember that time when Jesus walked on water? (laughs) You should have seen your face when you saw him, man. You freaked out. Those kind of stories were like that because Jesus did so many things like that, there were just endless stories. And. Each week, we retell the story of the cross when you take the Lord's Supper. You you tell that story once again where you were bought by the precious blood of the Lamb. The story never grows old, even though you know what happened. Even though you know the punchline. Jesus died for you and me. I was lost. Now I'm found. Isn't it amazing? I want to share with you a story that some of you have heard, maybe some of you haven't, but it's a fairy tale, really. It's from the Grimm's brothers, the three spinners. One of my favorite stories. Okay, so there was once this young girl, teenage girl, who was lazy. She would not spin thread for her mom. No matter what her mom told her to do, this teenage rebellious girl would have no part of it. 
And the mother was so frustrated one day that she spanked her teenage girl, unheard of, but she spanked her teenage girl, which caused the girl to cry out loudly. And at that very moment, the queen of the land was coming by. And she heard the commotion, the girl crying, and so she stopped her carriage to investigate. What's going on there? And she knocked on the door, heard the story, asked her mom, why was why is this teenage daughter of yours crying like that? And the mom had to think fast. She didn't want to say she was, you know, disciplining her daughter for being lazy. So she just came up with a quick story. She said, you know what? I cannot stop this girl from working. She wants to work all the time. She wants to spin thread all the time. She's, she insists on it all the time. But I'm poor and I don't have enough flax to make the thread. And so she's unhappy. And the queen says, well, of all things, one of my favorite things is to hear those spinning wheels going around and hearing them, the thread being pumped on the treadle. She said, Here's, let me make a deal with you. Let me take your daughter to the palace. I have plenty of flax there. Let's bring her there and she can make as much thread as she wants all the time. Let's do that. And the girl rolled her eyes and the mom said, that's a good idea. Take her. And off they went. So they arrived at the palace, and the queen led this teenage girl into these three rooms that were filled from floor to ceiling with flax. And the best flax that money could purchase at that time. And the queen said, now spin me this flax. And if you can finish all this work, I, I have an idea. My oldest son will marry you. I'll make the arrangements. She closed the door and walked away, and the girl was absolutely terrified. She hated to do it. She didn't know how to do it. She just didn't want any part of it. She spent, she said if she, she lived there for 300 years, she wouldn't have been able to do those three rooms of flax. So she sat and she cried for three days and didn't do a thing. And on the third day, the queen checked in with her, and she was disappointed and surprised that uh, no work had been done at all. And the girl made up another excuse. She said, well, I, I miss my mom terribly. And I, I, I don't, you know, I'm just in shock that I'm away from my mother. And the queen said, okay, I understand. But tomorrow you've got to begin this work. She closed the door. The girl didn't know what to do. In her sorrow, she went to the window overlooking the road, the street, and she saw uh, three women coming towards her. The first kind of limp. She had a big, broad foot, flat foot. The second one had a huge lip that hung down over her chin. And the third had this gigantic sore thumb, and calloused. And they, they saw the girl looking out the window, saw her crying, and said, what's going on? What's, what's your problem? And, and she told the story. I've got this obligation I can't get done. And the three ladies said, well, listen, if you will invite us to the wedding, and if you will call us your aunts, and if you'll let us sit at the table with you at the wedding, we'll spin up that flax and nothing flat. Really? And the deal was made. She let the three women in. They went right to work. They seated themselves. Uh, The one drew the thread out, and she began to pump that wheel so it would go around 
And the second one moistened the thread as it came through and licked it. And the third spun it with her thumb. They worked in unison like a machine. It was a beautiful thing. And they worked quickly too. And the finest quality thread started to pile up on the floor and nothing flat. And the queen knocked on the door to check it out after a couple hours and she saw some progress was being made, but the girl had hidden the three spinners. She claimed all the work for herself. Queen says, wow, you're really going to town here. I'm impressed. And she left and the, she let the spinners back out and it wasn't and nothing flat. In two days they had the work done and they left and they said, remember your promise to us. Girl says, okay. The queen returned, saw the empty rooms and the great heap of thread on the floor, and she gave this girl great praise and she gave orders for the wedding to be arranged. This is going to happen this week. Let's get it done. And the bridegroom came to meet his new bride, and he was very happy to meet such an industrious, servant hearted, clever young woman as this. Wow, he praised her. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, he said. And the girl said, well, I do have three aunts that I would like to invite to the wedding. They've been very kind to me. I would like them to come to the wedding and sit at the table with me and share my great day, my great joy. They agreed. When the feast began, the three women entered the room and the bride said, here are my dear aunts. And the bridegroom said, what? Why why do your aunts look like that? To the first, he said, how... How is it you have such a big, wide, broad, flat foot like that? And she said, well, it comes from threading the wheel, pumping the wheel. And he asked the second, how do you come by that overhanging lip like that? And she said, oh, that is just a lifelong habit of licking the thread as it comes through and it's just stretched it out. The third said, he said to the third, how do you come by your huge thumb? It's so calloused and so big and she said it's by twisting the thread all the time at this the king's son was alarmed <laughs> he said from this day forward my new bride will never touch the spinning wheel again <laughs> and in this way she got rid of the most hated job and one day she became the queen unbelievable right that's a crazy fairy tale that could never happen what do you think of that story (laughs) that is totally unfair she deserves (laughs) she deserves more spankings she deserves punishment instead she got a fabulous reward and a great future Dave Ramsey has a classic answer for the question how are you today Remember that? Better than I deserve. Right? That's what we all should be saying. And I know that you're ahead of me already in this message because the three spinners represent someone, don't they? The three spinners substituted themselves in place of the lazy girl. It's the story of grace. Undeserved. It reminds us the King of Kings substituted Himself in our place. Substitution is a huge concept in the Bible. 
I'd just like to review with you a couple of picture stories that the Lord gave His people back in the day that they just told over and over and celebrated year after year, remembering the idea of substitution. The first story comes from the Day of Atonement. It's, it's in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16. And you can read these verses. I'm going to read some of them, but it's these rules about the Day of Atonement. Uh, in our calendar, you see it as Yom Kippur. It's the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. This year, it will take place on October 4th and 5th. Uh, by Old Testament rules, uh, it's a holiday. There's no work to be done on that day, and there's no food to be consumed on that day. The entire nation is to assemble in one place. It's a holy day for the purpose of atoning for their sins. Let me read for you from Leviticus 16, verse 6. Aaron is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But to the goat chosen by lot as a scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. So God is going to allow for the sins of the entire nation to be rolled back and to be transferred to a goat. It's just a crazy story. But they did it every year. The goat took the shame and the guilt meant for the people who broke the law. And this goat took the name that is understood all the way from when it was first started all the way down till 2022, the term scapegoat. Someone is going to get blamed. He's become the scapegoat. That's how it works. Continuing on now in verse 21 of Leviticus 16, Aaron is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place, and that man shall release it in the wilderness. Every animal lover in the room is probably resentful of this story right now. What did this innocent goat do to deserve such treatment as this? He had nothing to do with their sin, yet he becomes the scapegoat. It's totally unfair. But God in His wisdom allowed a substitute to take their place. Good for the nation of Israel, bad for the goat. Now every year this happened. And so as a little child all the way up to an old man, you saw this played out before you every year on the Day of Atonement. You attended, you saw this. This, uh, this scene played out. And it's like, oh, huh. A substitute took my place. And so you begin to learn how it works. There was a guy named Jack Lucas who was 13 years old when World War II broke out. He was too young to join the Marines, but he was big for his size. So at age 14, he forged his mom's signature on the paperwork, and he, his stepdad vouched for his age And imagine that, at age 14, he joined the Marines. He was trained to be a truck driver, shipped overseas, 
in the Pacific. He was itching for combat. And so when the Marines prepared to invade Iwo Jima, Jack stowed away on one of the ships. And in the confusion of the invasion, he just jumped into one of the boats during the second wave of the invasion and went ashore. He took equipment from dead soldiers and he started fighting. On the second day, he was in a foxhole with other Marines when two grenades landed in the hole. And Jack, who's now 15 years old, jumped on both grenades. He saved the lives of his friends who thought Jack was, of course, dead. But later, somehow, they found him still alive. Put him back on a ship, then to a hospital ship. Twenty-two surgeries later, he was finally discharged and sent home. But wait a minute. President Harry Truman ordered him to the White House. And at age 17... Age 17, Jack Lucas was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. When they asked Jack why he did it, he said, I did it for my buddies. Wow. Like the goat on the Day of Atonement, who substituted himself, Jack Lucas substituted himself for his friends. Story number two. The Passover, Exodus chapter 12. Again, this is played out every year in the Jewish calendar. So little boys and girls, all the way to old men and women, have seen this their whole life every year. This is the best known and most repeated story in the Old Testament. You know the story yourself. God rescued His people out of Egypt with a mighty hand. You probably uh, remember... uh, Learning this as a child, the ten plagues that came on Egypt to persuade Pharaoh to let the people go. God saved the worst of the ten plagues for last. He warned that every family would lose their firstborn son unless blood from a land was painted on their doorpost. Hmm. God surely likes to do surprising things, doesn't He? Who would have guessed that's how he would do it? But you can read those instructions very plain in Exodus chapter 11 and 12, very extensive. No blood on the door meant certain death. There was only one way out. Lose a lamb or lose your firstborn son. Now, if you happen to be the firstborn son, (laughs) you would want to make sure that your daddy... Listen carefully to all those instructions and follow those instructions to the very last detail. And you would want to double check your dad's work. Dad, I think you need another coat of blood on the door. I don't think that's visible. And probably that night, you wouldn't sleep very well. The lamb was the substitute for the son. Those who accepted the terms lived. Those who rejected the terms Paid dearly. The third picture the Bible gives us of substitution is, of course, the greatest, and that is the cross. 
The cross is described in clear terms way before it happened in Isaiah chapter 53. It's just so amazing. Hundreds of years before, this is what Isaiah said. Uh, One of the biggest buts in the Bible. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Psalm 22, David writes these words about the cross. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I cannot tell my bones. I cannot count all my bones. I'm sorry. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and they cast lots from my clothing. All this pictured beforehand and people wonder what... It sounds like the atonement, kind of. It sounds kind of like the Passover. But who is this person who will do this? Who will fulfill this great prophecy? When Jesus left heaven, He had an appointment with the cross. He knew it. And He still came. Let's play suppose. Let's suppose that you have a vacation planned with your family for the Great Smoky Mountains. You're going to go down there and have a big time in in the hills. And uh, you got it all planned out. But there's one part of the plan that you're troubled by. Part of the plan, you know, requires that when you go to the Great Smoky Mountains, you're not going to come back. You're going to suffer a horrible death in the Smoky Mountains. Would you go? I think I'll just stay out of Tennessee for the rest of my life. I don't know about you. I'm not interested in that. Would you go? Jesus went. The words that Jesus said on the cross are packed with powerful meaning. If you come on Friday night to the Good Friday service, which I encourage you to do, you will hear some of these things said and read and sang for you. Jesus on the cross says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was speaking as a scapegoat from the Day of Atonement. When He said, It is finished, He's saying, There, it's done. The deal is done. The debt is paid. All their accounts are squared Psalm 22, the last verse says, He has done it. It starts off with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at the end it says, He has done it. Done what? He sealed the deal. He's paid the price. He's substituted Himself for us. There's an old song, probably some of you know. He paid a debt He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace the whole day long. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. When you begin to read the New Testament, you guys, you see how the New Testament writers start to connect the dots. Uh, They take the Old Testament pictures of the Day of Atonement and the Passover, 
And they apply them to one person. This is what it says. I'm just going to share with you a bunch of scriptures. I put them on the info page for you so you would have them yourself. So maybe you could spend some time thinking about them this week too. Matthew one twenty one. To Jesus' parents, you're to give Him the name Jesus. Why? Because He'll save His people from their sin. John one twenty nine. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's how He was introduced to the public as the Lamb of God. And immediately people who heard that go, the Lamb of God. I know what happens to lambs. In our culture, they don't live very long. They are substitutions, substitutions for other people. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. For Christ our Passover Lamb has been sacrificed. There's a beautiful big dot connected, hopefully in your mind. 1 Peter 1, 18, 19. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a Lamb without blemish or defect. Revelation 7. Uh, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Wow, do you see how it's fits together, it's almost the whole Bible can come together under this under this theme, this concept. First Timothy two, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. Hebrews nine twenty seven. Uh, just as one man is destined to die and after that to face the judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. Do you see the picture of atonement and Passover and the cross beautifully fit together? Second Corinthians 5.21 God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That's for the people who are the animal lovers who are saying, wait a second, that's not right. That poor goat shouldn't, that poor lamb shouldn't have to die for sinful people. That's not right. It is not right. It is totally unfair. But God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. In Galatians chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who's hung on the tree. Man, He must love you very much. Romans three twenty three through 25 um, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by His grace through through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Him as an atonement through faith in His blood. There's more. And that might be overwhelming to some of you, but I want you to see uh, why the cross is the great moment in history when your past was forgotten and when your future was secured not because of you and your goodness but because of what he did there he is the scapegoat of Yom Yom Kippur substituting himself for the sins of the world he's the Passover lamb trading his life for ours So we're going to celebrate Good Friday. It's kind of a funny name, isn't it? Good Friday. It was 
a really good Friday for us, wasn't it? It wasn't such a good Friday for the Lamb of God who came to take away the sinners of the world. But the cool thing is it was planned. It was all figured out by Almighty God because He loves you so very much. The Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Now, the three spinners became a substitute for the lazy girl. Jack Lucas substituted himself for his buddies. And Jesus became a substitute for you. I need to invite the worship team up, and I just want you to think with me as we do this. Here's just a few takeaways. This one is so simple, but I'm still stunned by it. I uh, can't say it any better than just this. He must love you very much. Man, oh man. I can't describe it any better than that. But I remember a lot of times praying with my, my kids... You know, the nighttime prayers as we leave, and I always wanted to assure them of this one simple fact. God must love you very much. And man, if you can get that, your life is full of purpose and joy. Here's the second takeaway. Those that rejected God's deal for atonement were totally cut off from their nation. They could not participate in anything. They were just gone. Those who rejected the Passover lamb, of course, lost their life. or They lost their firstborn son. It's a terrible loss. And I'm telling you today, if you were outside of Christ, you are facing a horrible future. But it doesn't have to be that way. You stand today before God guilty. But there is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. You don't have to go to that horrible future because He paid a price for you. Acts 2.38 says it this way, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do you get this forgiveness? Today we don't have to sacrifice a lamb and paint blood on the door. Today, we don't have to select a goat and put our hands on it and send it off to the wilderness. We don't have to do that anymore. He has already done it. Psalm 22. He has done it already. He's paid for you. So I would ask you on this Palm Sunday, have you accepted the terms of the deal? He died for you. Will you live for Him? Will you repent and will you be baptized? It's a simple deal. You do this, He does that. And it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. And the last takeaway is this. Grace is totally unfair. God doesn't do math very well. All these sins wiped out by one death. All your sins taken away. It's totally beyond my feeble ability to describe it to you this morning. But it's not a fairy tale. (laughs) It's absolutely true. And I invite you, I beg you, to make things right with the Lord. 
And you can do that today. We'd be happy to receive you down front. We'd be happy to talk with you about this. We'd be happy to baptize you today. It can happen right now.